Hey out there, everybody, and welcome to Caffeination 538. This is the fourth edition here at the Caffeination Podcast, but not the actual fourth. This is the uh, 538th edition, so we're a little bit beyond episode four. This is the third episode back, so nothing really lines up with that exact uh, thing there. But I did find the old intro music. Not sure how long it's going to stick around. Hopefully everybody out there is having a wonderful and beautiful evening or day whenever this happens to be uh, lighting directly. Directly into your ear holes. This is a kind of a weird episode because we're actually recording on a Tuesday night. But again, not that that matters to you because we're celebrating the Fourth of July tomorrow when we would normally be uh, recording the Caffeination Podcast. We celebrate the Fourth of July on the the day in which the Constitution for the United States was actually ratified. But that is not the day that it was written. It was written and signed on the second. So either way, we are wrong today. Because we're recording it on the 3rd, and we're calling it the 4th. So there you go, and here we are. All right, so the beautiful sound that you hear right now is not the crash, bang, and boom of the rockets, and the pleasant sight you see is not the red glare, but rather the dulcet tones of another Caffeination podcast and the beautiful notification of a new one available for download. On today's show, we are going to discuss how robots are taking more jobs away from hardworking people, investigate mysterious food disappearances, and wonder... Why there are so many exact Mario Kart uh, races going around right now? So uh, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of different Mario Kart stories right now. So and the funny thing is, I don't think there's a brand new Mario Kart game out there. So it's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, what more could you want out of a life except a happy and nonsense-filled time with a good friend? Hopefully we are that friend, and hopefully the nonsense that you hear is the stuff that uh, is this. And yes, that is my phone's notification going off. The coin means that it's time to get going. We're going to dive right on into the geek cruft section. Yes, geek life, I didn't choose it. It chose me. So I got to wonder out there. Are there other people who really experience problems within their realm of expertise? So what I mean is, are there plumbers who have nothing but plumbing problems at home? Are there carpenters who can't find a a good solid foundation to build anything at home? Because I used to work in computers and now I do nothing but design. And I can't, for the life of me get past the the technical glitches that seem to run into things. So I am forever running into weird things that happen around here at the uh, caffeination layer, which, by the way, I, rem- I, would, I would be remiss if I did not mention this. See, one of the cool things about starting the show back up is uh, we've moved layers several times, and I can't remember if I've said this in the past three episodes or not, but we previously started the Caffeination podcast in an apartment, and it was started in the second bedroom of that apartment, so I had to be really quiet because my wife was usually sleeping in the other room. Then we had a bigger family, had a bigger house, so we moved, and the Caffeination layer became the entire downstairs. Then when the kids got bigger, the Caffeination layer got smaller, and we moved even smaller and smaller still to a corner of said basement. Now I am where all good things go. I am in the garage. So when we eventually do a video podcast or one of those, you're going to see the uh, the wonderful surroundings I am currently now in. A lot of my tchotchkes are in the uh, the uh, the shelves around me, so it's kind of funny. Um, I gotta say that I just now remember, I'm pretty sure I've told this story before, but that's okay. 
All right, so yeah, I seem to find these technical glitches that happen all the time, and I sat down to actually record this episode of the Caffeination Podcast, and Steve couldn't be with us tonight. I'm not sure how often uh, we're going to get uh, different guest uh, hosts for the show, but that might be a thing that we uh, that we happen across. I'm not trying to do any stressful things here uh, as we come back. I'm trying to uh, ease into this as as the, uh, the case may be, so hopefully... Uh, Hopefully it just continues to keep working out. But, uh, all right, that's about enough of that. Chances are you have stolen artwork in your house and you don't even know about it. Yes, so if you've bought those Statue of Liberty stamps over the past couple years, I think from 2010 to 2013 they were actually sold. They were sold as the one of the original designs for the Forever stamps. You actually had a rather stylized version of the Lady Liberty and her face specifically on the postage stamp. It turns out that they did not use an actual picture of the Statue of Liberty. They used a picture that is quote-unquote sexier that is the Statue of Liberty that is in the Hotel New York New York in Las Vegas. So there was an image on Getty Images and the artist who sculpted the original Statue of Liberty in New York, New York, and not the one that's in New York, if that's not confusing enough, uh, sculpted it to look different because he wanted it to be more appealing. So he actually won a judgment against the United States Postal Service to the tune of $3.5 million because they used his instead of the actual Lady Liberty in the... uh, in the harbor. So, yeah, I guess it was a little easier to get that particular shot at that particular angle. But, um, yeah, so they they distributed 3.1 billion stamps with this uh, stolen artworks image on there. Now, the, <laughs> the original one was uh, never asked for permission. That was done in 1875. Um, yeah, the uh, copyright on that one may be long since expired, so I don't think we really have to worry about that. However, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that uh, Eiffel is fine with uh, the existing Lady Liberty uh, doing exactly what she's doing. All right, now the next thing we got moving moving for you right, in out, right along rather, is there was a gameplay method in the very popular game Fortnite that was actually delayed. Now, there is a game called, uh, not a game, but rather a play mode called Playground that allowed people to actually design and build their own levels and design and build different challenges for others to take on. Now, this type of thing has existed in other games before, but um, never quite like this and never in in uh, Fortnite. So it's going to be interesting to see what people do with it. I know in Halo, it actually spawned a couple different... Uh, game variants that became very, very common. One of them being Griffball, because it's an offshoot of a joke that ran in Red vs. Blue, which is another popular web series. Um, you, If you have never seen it, I don't know where you've been, but I think they're up to like se- season 17 or something right now. Uh, but it's one of the original um, Machinimation 
so it's a, a portmanu of which I'm probably butchering all of these words, but uh, it's it's a compound word between uh, machine and animation. So they used games to make these videos. Now we have Fortnite Playground, and there's already wonderful things that people do with Fortnite as it is. My son should be here to talk to you about Fortnite because he loves and obsesses over that game, as I'm sure a lot of the people out there with younger side uh, kids probably have the same thing happening. Hey, you might even be one of those kids. Uh, I played from time to time. I'm nowhere near as good as him, and that actually terrifies me. Uh, so I used to joke around that said, you know, I was going to introduce my son to the way things should be. I was going to start him out with NES first, and then we were going to slowly work our way up to the modern video games. That didn't quite happen. He sort of jumped right in and stunk for a good long time, as good players should. And now he is actually getting quite decent at it. So it's kind of scary to see. And uh, see, now the cool thing about Fortnite that I have always thought was cool, rather, is it's a free game. The only thing you pay is for access to uh, clothing mods in the game, and they apparently make a good bit of money off doing this. So uh, the Playground mode is now online, and you can head on over there and check that out at uh, Epic Games. All right, now the next thing that we have up for you here is Microsoft, or rather not Microsoft. <laughs> An ad popped up for Microsoft. Uh, but Nintendo the opposite of Microsoft. Well, no, the Apple would be the opposite of Microsoft. But Nintendo teased an edition of the 2DS XL. So that's no 3D capabilities because, hey, that hurts a lot of people's eyes. But uh, And it's larger than some of the other ones that are out there. Uh, this is probably the one that I would get, but not for the reason that it is. But um, they teased a Minecraft Creeper Edition. The funny thing is, if you look at the Xbox One that's in our basement right now, my son got it, so it is the Minecraft Edition of the Xbox One. Um, I need to keep this news away from him, because he would probably really, really love it. So they've also unveiled uh, Animal Crossing uh, and Mario Kart 7. So You know what? There it is. That's the Mario Kart uh, news I was waiting for. So maybe this is why all the different Mario Kart things keep popping up recently. But uh, they also released some uh, different stuff that's coming out like that. But I got to tell you, it's really neat to see like the different... Um, green boxes that are all over the place as as it uh, kind of showcases some of the, the creeper aesthetic. I, I kind of thought it was cool, so I decided to share it with the groups. All right, next thing we got for you here is more robots are stealing your jobs. Yes, Disney is actually uh, working with a company to design and develop robots that can take over for stunt doubles. So no more Jackie Chan falling hundreds of floors and getting injured in the process. It'll just be a robot that we replace. See, this is the first thing where robots start to get annoyed at the fact that they are being put in more dangerous situations than we are. This will not end well. And they're also going to have <laughs> skills and abilities far beyond that of mortal men. Um, so it's supposed to be uh, able to land on its own. Uh, it can't do it yet. So that it's going to be kind of interesting to see exactly what they do. So the Imagineers are hard at work getting their Stickman creation to uh, fly around and uh, work as an autonomous. See, another word that always worries me. Whenever you say a robot is autonomous, I begin to think Skynet. I don't know about everybody else out there, but that is one of the words that flashes across my little eyes. And I can see, and it just doesn't seem like it would be a useful or a good tool 
to, to, to be putting in place. I'm, it would be actually kind of awesome if you could simply say, hey, you know what? This is the stunt. Perform this exact stunt. Don't kill anyone and come back. And we, we could all be sitting there looking at it and saying, oh, okay, that's wonderful. Thank you for doing that exact stunt, not killing anyone and coming right back. That's what I want, specifically the not killing anyone part. That would be fantastic. All right, up next over at Technobob, we have Chinese spy drones that are actually ca camouflaged as birds. Now, this looks like a rudimentary uh, flapping machine kind of bird that's actually uh, kind of nifty. So it has all kinds of... Uh, gadgets that are actually stuck in there so it has a flapping mechanism with speed sensor gps antenna battery camera flight control system and a data link antenna and a data link so this thing has cell coverage its wingspan is 20 inches so it's actually a bit larger than the bird it's uh trying to copy which is uh, kind of funny wouldn't you make it mimic a hawk or something like that something to scare other birds out of the air so that you don't have a hawk try and take a chunk out of this i mean if you seriously saw a 20 inch wingspan dove flying around and you were a big old hawk wouldn't you sit, sit there and say hey you know what that looks like a phenomenal use of my time i'm gonna go take that sucker out and have dinner for a month but nope that's uh, a chinese spy drone nicknamed dove because you know it's a dove all right moving right along over at festo.com there is actually a smart bird um that is one step above the spy drone. This has realistic flying motion on a robot. So if you've ever seen those really old school um, layouts where they have the, the the bunch of guys right before the Wright brothers actually determined how to do lighter than or heavier than uh, right before the Wright brothers determined and whether or not they were actually the first is subject to some debate among certain circles. But uh Right before they developed the first airplane, there were a lot of videos that were out there with flapping wings on giant airplanes to see if this was a way that we could do it. Well, it didn't work out so well for those inventors at the time. However, this is inspired by a herring gull. See, bigger than a dove. Good idea. All right, now it's an ultralight flying model, and it has unbelievable aerodynamics, incredible agility. It's able to take off, fly, and land without an additional drive. So this thing has wings that when they flap, it works just like a bird's wings, but it has one additional feature that a lot of those early airplanes didn't. It has feather-like struts that are lean, leaning back so that the power all comes from the front. But with the feathers, it actually gives it a little bit of lift because they lag slightly behind the power on the forearm. So when the bird flaps, the feathers actually go down and provide not only the lift to go back upwards, but some of the uh, the push forwards, and you can angle different things on them as well. This The videos of this are astounding. I mean, when you're looking at this, like at first when I saw one specific video, I wasn't sure if it was just like a computer animated bird or something. But, and they do have a couple um, computer-animated versions of it, but this is a huge, huge advancement in flight. Now, I would be remiss if I did not mention my family's own history in flight. Uh, my great-grandfather, I believe, yes, my grandmother's father, 
built and flew the first airplane in Philadelphia. We actually have a photo of it that hangs on the wall in my uh, in my office. So not only my office downtown, but my also my, my office at, at home. And it's one of the things I kind of look at, and when I'm ever I'm up against a really big problem, I look at it and I say, you know what? That guy was able to, and in, in, in the photo, you actually see there's horse-drawn carriages in the street. So that man was able to, while there were horse-drawn carriages flapping around, to to uh, produce lighter-than-air flight. It, it, it's unbelievable. So uh, it, it's just something that, that uh, I always kind of admired. And even though it was made out of bicycle parts and it didn't fly for an incredibly long period in time, it still did something that not very many other people were able to do at the time. So it kind of always struck a chord with me as a uh, as something to aim for. So it's like kind of sitting there saying, okay, so what are you doing today? So the problems you find are really that problematic? Well, look what your great-grandfather had to deal with. <laughs> Horses and massive bicycle engines. All right, next thing we got up for you here right now is a massive Lego Voltron. Yes, you heard me here correct, correctly. Children of the 80s. Or children of the now, but this is the 80s version of it. Yes, there are tiny bricks which make up lions, which then click together. And then those lions make up a bigger robot. Sorry, they're robotic lions. Did I mention that? Yes, this is the toy that every kid dreamed about back when you were... <laughs> back when you, I was growing up, rather. It's like the to have the full Voltron set, complete with the lead paint, of course. Um, but to be able to actually have that and then... Whoa. Yes, as things start popping up randomly in the background. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we have all kinds of fun things here at the Caffeination right now. I'm going to just show you one of them. I have this new sound effect program that I w will not uh, abuse, but... One, two, three, four, five. Wait for it. Yeah, so uh, I could have used this one at the beginning. It's showtime. But I didn't. Or I could have used this one. So there's a whole bunch of different ones that we could turn on, but we're really not going to. <laughs> so if you hear random sounds pop up, it's because I clicked the wrong button and I apologize. But yeah, it should just be background music. There we go. Okay. So anyway, back in the 80s, every kid dreamed of having the full-size Voltron. To actually be able to make this thing out of Legos is insane. Unfortunately... It is $180, and unfortunately, even still, it is on August 1st that it will be released. I don't know how long it will be released for, so they usually have limited engagements for some of their more awesome things. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Of course, because it's Lego, all of the robots, the robot lions, actually are completely autonomous, so you can completely assemble each lion individually and then sort them out by clicking them together and yes they do form Voltron so it is an unbelievably perfect toy <laughs> unfortunately I might need a second job to actually afford it Alright, moving right along to one of the absolute coolest stories I've seen recently. But there is a Mario Kart-inspired racetrack opening in Niagara Falls, New York, not Canada. Dates and prices are being announced, but it's going to have it's going to officially open on June 1st. I'm not sure exactly if that's next June 1st or if it's already opened. 
but it's similar to the tracks in Branson, Missouri, which is a four-story corkscrew with multiple elevated style, coaster style sections. So this thing is going to be insanely awesome. Now, the funny thing that I've actually seen, and here's the prices. The prices is $12 per driver per five-minute ride and a $4 per passenger fee. So you have to be between 58 and 78 inches tall. And passengers must be between uh, passengers have to be between 48 or 40 rather and 60 inches tall. So in order to carry a passenger, driver has to be at least 18, and a legal guardian or parent <laughs> of the passenger. So yeah, this looks unbelievable. The funny thing is, we shared it. On, I shared it on Facebook on my personal page, and the first thing that happened is I started having people like my wife immediately says, "Okay, fine, as long as I could be the princess." And then I had a guy from high school who said he wanted to be Toad. I had all these other people like coming out of the woodwork claiming characters that they wanted to be, which would have been funny enough, only to find out that then. You can actually take a Mario Kart-style tour of Japan, because why wouldn't you do a Mario Kart-style tour of Tokyo or other cities in Japan? They have a mix of different costumes you can actually have. You could have Bowser, you could have Mario, Luigi, Yoshi. All the costumes are already there for you, I believe. And you can actually dress up like Batman, because, I mean, hey, if you could be Batman... Always be Batman. You can dress up like the banana. I did not see Donkey Kong. I did see Wario, or at least his leg, because nobody else is orange or uh, yellow and purple. So this alone just... And and at least two different kinds of princesses in the video. So it, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> the carts can actually reach speeds of 80 kilometers per hour. So even if you're only going like 40 or 50, you're driving through regular traffic. So you can you know, just take your own little tour with your own little group of eight or more and uh, enjoy the sights and sounds of Tokyo as you drive like nuts. See, the problem is, if I did that, I would immediately carry an entire stack of bananas to throw behind me, possibly a dead turtle or two. Because, I mean, what wouldn't be a better way to experience the full-on go-kart magic than to throw some uh, animals and some uh, fruit carcasses behind you? That just seems to be the only way it should be done. All right. Now, because it's summer and because it is unbelievably hot in the Philadelphia area, uh, I saw this next little thing and I thought people might enjoy. Beach time is so complex. Why bother digging and setting up all these little uh, corkscrews to hold your umbrellas and everything when you can have a fun little uh, tent that's not like some of the tents that are out there. So it's not like you're setting up a big canopy on the beach that's like a uh, a normal block party tent where you have four legs and, and all these uh, different accoutrements. No, this is a little bit more durable for windy conditions. So this appears to be five bean bags with uh, ropes and two poles. So you stick the two poles down into the sand, and they look to be actually kind of thin. So it looks like it would actually be easy enough to get them down in there. And then you could throw down the uh, the bags of sand because you don't have to take the sand itself to the beach. It's everywhere around you. Or if you're on a rock beach, I'm pretty sure you could fill the bags up with rocks as, as well. But it's a family 10 by 10, and it's suitable for up to eight people. Now, it looks a little bit like a lean-to, so it, it's... Uh, the two stands are in the front, or the two rather poles are in the front, and then it goes in the back with three bags across the back pulling it tight, and then two in the front keeping it steady. So 
as far as I can tell, you'd be able to, to withstand a pretty decent gust of wind with this. A person can, can carry and set it up in about two to three minutes, and it only weighs 6.6 pounds. So that's not a lot for being able to get this kind of coverage on the beach. However, you can use the, the rest of that uh, carrying ability to get a giant folding chair. So this is a 67-inch tall, 37.5 deep, 58-wide chair. This folds out. It has giant cup holders. It has a cooler that zips onto it. I don't know how much weight it can hold, which is the funny thing. I also don't know how heavy it is. So I just thought I'd share with the group because I thought it was that cool. All right. Now, the next little thing we got for you here is sometimes your tech needs to be better than your tech life. So sometimes your tech needs need to be better than your tech likes, rather. So who hasn't gone into one of those public restrooms and uh, unfortunately smelled the ghosts of Christmas past? There's no real easy and polite way to say it. How would you like it if the light that was hanging down from the ceiling was actually an air purifier? So there didn't need to be extra uh, problems that were, <laughs> or ducting that was done. The, the actual light itself did the purifying. Well, that's what's over at Yanko Design right now. I don't know anything about the uh, <laughs> how this would exactly work, but I do know that it looks really awesome and it would be something that I would definitely invest in for any large corporate-style bathroom. I mean, heck, for the offices too, but it would seem to me to, to eliminate all that ducting that you would have to put in, this would be a phenomenal way to actually go about uh, saving, some pe saving people some uh, problems. <laughs> And you also don't need to have uh, the buttons that are currently designed to be on there because it should just be running all the time. Or at least it should be attached to one of those little light switches that goes on when you walk into a room. All right, now the last little thing that we got for you here, uh, the last little major story we have for you here in the uh, in the Geek Cruft section here at the Caffeination Podcast is Thanos and Griffin, and Grimace, rather. Um, Crossplay is when people cosplay somebody of the opposite gender. Crossplay or cosplay aside, this is one of the most interesting, weird things that I have ever seen. This is the McVengers. <laughs> so there's a whole group of people that actually dress up like characters inspired by um, characters from French. Uh, fast food franchises. So there's the Panda from Panda Express. There's Grimace from McDonald's. There's Jack in the Box. There's, uh, I, I assume, somebody who's a KFC, of uh, Captain KFC. Uh, I, I'm unsure of who everybody is. There's looks like there's where in the world is Carmen Sandiego. But there's a lot of people who have a lot of time on their hands, but by far the best cosplay or crossplay of the entire thing, and I only say crossplay because I'm not entirely sure what he or she is, but Grimace, the giant purple gumdrop from the old McDonald's advertising, is dressed up like Thanos, and he has the Infinity Oven Mitt on. And on the Infinity Oven Mitt, there are six Infinity Stones, or Infinity Nuggets. It is quite possibly one of the most detailed and nuanced meta cosplays that I have ever seen and I'd like to thank the people from the Fast Food Avengers for putting it together because it is beautiful and horrible all in the same time. Now, unfortunately, not at all as well in the tech world and not all as well in other worlds as well, especially if you, yourself, or your friends happen to be a... a... Uh, 
an animal within the realm of sports betting. Now, if you are an animal that predicts which outcome will happen in the current world soccer tournament, that would be the World Cup. Uh, if you are an animal that predicts the outcomes correctly, you are lauded and internationally praised, similar to the psychic octopus that correctly predicted all three rounds of the Jap of the Japanese team's opening uh, group play. So it p predicted that Japan would win against Colombia, draw against Senegal, and lose to Poland. And it became a national sensation in the process. Unfortunately, this octopus was then killed by its owner and served for or sold for food. He said he hoped that the second Rabiot, uh, R-A-B-I-O-T, will give all the outcomes correctly and Japan will go all the way. Unfortunately, Japan has since lost and they are now out of the <laughs> tournament. So, moving right along, the next thing, the Palace Museum says goodbye to the Forbidden City celebrity cat Baden. Badian, B-A-I-D-I-A-N. There's a cat that is famous, a red-haired stray cat from the Forbidden City that predicts World Cup winners. So this thing actually predicts, predicted rather the outcome correctly of World Cups in general, not just single matches. So, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Baden has passed away. And it gathered uh, it on its own Weibo account, it, which is a Chinese social media network. It had 17,000 followers. So it, it is also the first stray to ever have its own Weibo account. So unfortunately, it's sad times for psychic animals. So if you happen to know any psychic animals, hopefully they see this coming and uh, hide their predictions well. All right, that's about it for the Geek Cruft section here at the Caffeination Podcast. The more, next thing that we got up for you here is food and caffeinated bits, caffeination, and iced coffee terms. Now, my iced coffee recipe has stood the test of time. It involves putting ice in coffee and then dropping the mic. I'm tired of places out there that sell iced lattes like iced coffee. I'm looking at you, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I actually have to order a cold brew black, and I need to specify it because if I don't say that it's black, it comes with cream and sugar in it. I just want it as black as my soul and as bitter as my voice sounds right about now. But in order to hopefully uh, remove some of these things, what I've decided to do is put a couple terms together for you. Cold brewed coffee is brewed coffee that has been brewed by being steeped within the water, grounds being steeped within the water without the introduction of heat. Nitro cold brew, same thing, except instead of uh, being poured gently, it is forcefully pushed from a... Uh, canister under the counter by nitrogen. However, the nitrogen in the coffee produces a, an effect similar to the head on a Guinness, because they were both powered by nitrogen, and actually gives the coffee a smoother mouthfeel. It also tends to make the caffeine hit you a little bit harder and a little bit faster. Not saying it's more caffeine, but when you introduce caffeine instead of regular oxygen to the to the whole deal, um, or rather when you introduce nitrogen instead of uh, oxygen, it's kind of like drinking beer through a straw. It just gets the job done that much quicker. I guess because caffeine's a little bit more soluble in nitrogen than it is in regular old air. Then you have regular iced coffee, which I already gave you the recipe for. And then finally, there's Japanese iced coffee, where we're going to get to the middle in a minute. It's also called Kyoto-style slow-drip coffee. Um, there's a wonderful video put together by the fine folks over at Counterculture Coffee, so I shared that. And then the last thing 
Any espresso and milk beverage poured over ice is an iced latte. The fine folks at Starbucks actually get this correct. So I don't usually have the patience for pour-overs, so I usually don't go that route. But if I do, I make sure that the coffee hits only the ice when I'm pouring it over. Otherwise, I add the ice after the fact. Uh, There's juries that are out on whether or not that affects the taste of adding ice to already hot coffee, but uh, I'm somebody who's willing to give it a shot every now and then. And it, with it being over 100 degrees for the past couple of days and nice high Philly humidity, I have not decided to uh, give this a shot yet uh, of uh, of trying hot coffee and, and uh, doing anything like that. I've just been uh, going full-on cold coffee. <laughs> All right, now next thing we got for you here is Krispy Kreme Kiosk. There's a U.K. mall that actually lets shoppers make their own donuts. No donut is forbidden. Sorry, Homer. Forbidden donut. Uh, so you can start off with jam-filled, cream-filled, regular, and a whole bunch of others. Then you can get your own toppings. And then finally, uh, you can <laughs> choose how they are packaged. So this is an unbelievably neat concept. Unfortunately, I don't know how well it'll scale. Because if it's in a kiosk, I mean, does it? do you need to have a staff person there? But you know what? I'm willing to give it a shot. I will take one for the team. All right. Now, from over the fine folks over at uh, INeedCoffee.com, because you know I done do, there's making German ice cream coffee, an ice cafe. I have never seen this before, so I thought it would be really interesting to do to uh, check out. You basically take two to three scoops of vanilla ice cream, take four to eight ounces of cold double-strength instant or brewed coffee, uh, Double espresso, hot should be okay, and real whipped cream. You pour the coffee over the ice cream that's already in the glass, and then you top it with whipped cream. This looks like an unbelievably wonderful (laughs) concoction. It's also known as an affogato in Italy, which means drowned and you basically it's the recipe is a little bit different there but it's similar um so rather than ice cream you take gelato and rather than uh, regular coffee you usually use espresso there and there's only a double shot of espresso over two scoops of gelato or sorbetto if you really want to and i have tried because i am lactose intolerant a lot of the uh the the coffee and milk beverages go by the wayside for me so ice cream is definitely on the far way out i might try it with uh, some lactate ice cream which is always wonderful but uh the affogato i have tried with uh, lemon sorbetto, which has no dairy whatsoever in it. And then I poured my uh, strict, uh, my double shot of espresso, rather, over that. And uh, I was delightfully surprised by the bright notes that came out of it. And it was an unbelievable dessert. And unfortunately, I have not found very many places that carry lemon sorbetto around a lot of the Italian restaurants that are around us tend to uh, really heap on the tiramisu and the creme brulee, which is a French dessert. Um, but they don't really hit a lot of the uh, the sorbettos, which I, I found kind of sad. But I did find one of the ones that's around here. Uh, Toscano's actually has a secret dessert menu where they do have one dairy-free item, and that is lemon sorbetto or sorbet, <laughs> depending. All right. 
Now, moving right along to the next little thing here, again from INeedCoffee.com. This is the Kyoto-style slow-drip coffee. Now, this looks like a mad science lab, but there's actually a lot of science behind it. So you basically start with a vessel at the top, uh, not Breaking Bad style, but it's an inverted bubble that has a whole bunch of water in it, and then it's set to a slow drip. Then as it goes down, it actually slowly drips into a funnel, which then takes it into a small concentrated um, collection of coffee grounds. And then the water slowly collects in there, and it does not sit in the coffee grounds to steep. It actually immediately drops down and into a decanter at the bottom through a filter. So this whole process continues over an extended period in time. This is beautiful, and unfortunately, all of the things that are linked over at INeedCoffee.com cost around $250 for this mad scientist variety. You can, however, do the DIY one that they have listed at the bottom, which looks even cooler if you really want to look at it. It's also around $200 cheaper, roughly. Roughly, It's... The DIY version is only about $80, so I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, I really might consider this if I didn't have children who would break anything glass, but uh, I, I might, you know, squirrel it away in some uh, offshoot of the caffeination layer and slowly have my coffee brewed for me so that when I get down here for a podcast, I have a, a nice six to eight cup uh, serving of uh, velvety goodness already ready for me. All right, moving right along. There is fast food out there that has been discontinued. Now, you know if fast food is too unhealthy or unpopular, it goes by the wayside. So much like the styrofoam containers for the McDonald's hamburgers and uh, so many other things like the McRib, which randomly appears at times. Um, it's kind of interesting. So there's the Chick-fil-A spicy biscuit, the McDonald's biscuits and gravy, Wendy's spicy chicken nuggets, Sonic drive-ins piccolos, and Taco Bell's very de salsa and wendy's breakfast yes wendy's apparently had a breakfast at one time i was unaware of this and mcdonald's old fried apple pies well not all that is gone has been forgotten because apparently in some corners of our fair country or my fair country at the very least um there are places where you can still find these and i th kind of thought it was interesting so over at foodbeast.com i linked up to the whole article so if any of these happen to be on your food bucket list to really try I'm not entirely sure why. I'd love to hear about it, but you can head on over there and check it out. And then the last little thing that we got for you here today, the final thought for today, is a single sneaker was sold for $92,000. This single sneaker was an on-set prop from the 1989 Back to the, Back to the Future uh, movie. Back to the Future 2, rather. So $92,100 via eBay. So it's a single sneaker. Unfortunately, it looks like the backside of it must have had a battery in it or something because there's, there's some kind of corrosion falling out. And uh, when I first looked at this, I thought that there was actually um, vomit. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it looks pretty nasty. There's all kinds of corrosion leaking out the back of this, and it's obviously not going to be worn, but I figured that that was good for a final thought of the day because who would ever really think that that would be something that would happen? So, uh, yeah, that about wraps it up here today for the Caffeination Podcast. If you are looking to send us comments, feedback, suggestions, you can do so at caffeination at gmail.com or directly to me at paul at caffeination.com. Or you could send it to Steve if he was here at steve at caffeination.com. You can also send us 
voicemails over at 215-240-1319. I am Twitter.com. At Caffeination, we have a Facebook fan page. We are working on the iTunes listing. It is in the death throes of being fixed. So hopefully you'll be able to find and review us on iTunes. So if you had already done that, uh, it should pop back up, hopefully with by the time this episode actually gets out there. Uh, if you are looking for this or all of its other Brethren episodes, they can all be listed over at www.caffination.com. That is caffeination.com. I am Paul, and thank you very much for listening. Stay caffeinated, people. <laughs>